this episode of the Highlander Podcast. We talk with Frank Howe, chair of the Logan River Restoration Committee. We discuss Logan's Blue Trail Master Plan, the importance of the Logan River, and the opportunity for more recreation on the river. Welcome back, everyone, to the Highlander Podcast. This is Chase, and today I'm joined by Frank Howe, the chair of the Logan River uh, Task Force. Yes. Thanks for being here. Yeah, you bet. Good to see um, you, Chase. It's especially excited to have you here because there's been some really good news when it comes to the Logan River uh, just recently. Um, wanted to have you up to talk about kind of the state of the Logan River and maybe what the future of the river looks like. And and to be honest, the, the future looks really bright um, considering some things that happened with the uh, Logan City Council and, and the approval of the, the master plan. So, yeah, we were, we were really excited to have the Logan Municipal Council approve what we're calling the Logan River Blue Trail Master Plan. And um, the Blue Trail Master Plan, a blue trail by definition is sort of a community paddle trail. And so what we're trying to do is encourage people to use the river more, but through this master plan, we'll provide them access and safe passage on the river to allow them to use the river more. This is, it's a really exciting plan. We'll, we'll link to kind of the full master plan in the in the show notes so if people can go and actually okay. see what the master plan is um, and what that looks like um, it's pretty exciting this this is a plan that that takes in kind of from the mouth of the Logan River all the way out to Cutler on the on the west yes. side so this is an extensive plan um, that um, I, I think is really exciting because the Logan River is such a just such a valuable resource to our community it flows right through the heart of, of Logan um, and in some ways, I think is underutilized, and this plan really elevates it. And um, I think is going to really expose so many, uh, so many people to the river and the opportunities that are there. Um, I, I wanted to step back and talk a little bit about your task force and kind of how that came about. Um, what's the history of, okay. of um, kind of this project and this task force focused on, you know, protecting and and uh, making the river more accessible? Well, there was a, a flood back in 2011 that uh, was a pretty devastating flood for the city. And the city, in response a couple of years after that, um, did some river restoration, some river stability types of projects. And I would say they actually did, they had some missteps in their doing that restoration approach that they took. And I was actually driving by Rendezvous Park one day and kind of looked over and saw what the city was doing. And I thought to myself, this this really isn't the way to do things nowadays. And um, I know a lot about rivers, I know a lot about riparian habitats, and I know a lot of people that know a lot about restoring rivers. And so I formed this Logan River Task Force with folks from the university, um, folks from state and federal agencies, and then invited the city to come and participate in that as well as the county. And our goals for that task force were not to place blame or anything, but to develop a long-term conservation action plan for the river that will help us manage the ecology of the river through the future. And um, we also realize that this is an urban situation, so it's not like you're, you know, restoring a river out in the middle of Alaska somewhere. This is a river that flows right through the city. And so with that, there are some restrictions so there's there's infrastructure that you have to consider there's bridges there's highways there's people's houses those sorts of things that you need to consider 
And so for an ecological restoration, that limits us to really the amount of function that can, we can replace in the river. So it's challenging, but it's also a great opportunity to work with the other end of the river, which I think is the social values of the river. So we decided as a task force, we really wanted to balance the ecological restoration with the social values of the river and pursue along those lines. But how, how unique is it to have um, a river like this flowing through a downtown area where people see it, almost, you know, could mm-hmm. see it almost every day, um, but, you know, most of those people don't go out and use it or maybe they don't think about it. It's just something that we take for granted. How unique yeah, is it to yeah. have a resource like this in our community? Not very, actually. I mean, if you, if you look all the way from St. George up to Logan, the cities are basically built around the rivers because that was an easy source of water for the pioneers as they came in and even for the Native Americans before the pioneers right. came in. Um, and it all sort of depends on how the city or town recognizes mm. the river as it comes through. Um, there are rivers that are buried under Salt Lake City right. um, and, and don't even come up through the city. So, um, but there are also rivers like in Boise uh, right. where the river is a feature of the city. And that's really sort of what our vision was, is, is to bring the Logan River to light and um, let people see what kinds of things you can do around a river, again, both ecologically and socially. Right. I th- maybe that's a better question is how many communities feature a river yeah. and, and really highlight that and value it? And probably a lot, lot fewer, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot fewer. I think a lot, of, a lot of cities just treat their rivers as a way of moving water through the through the town as fast as possible maybe as an irrigation source and that sort of thing but don't really see the value of it for the people of the community and that I think with the with the city council's recognition and the mayor's support is really what Logan has done now so getting into that a little bit what is what is the adoption of a blue river um, or, or a, a blue trail master plan by the Logan City Council what does that what does that mean yeah moving forward yeah. And, and how significant is that okay, so it in a sense, it sort of makes our plan bona fide. And so we can, we can now take that plan to funding organizations and say, you know, Logan City really likes this plan. They've approved this plan. They've adopted it. Um, it's a good plan. Please give us some funding for uh, carrying this plan out. Right. So, so if anything, you have the blessing of the city, and, and the city isn't going to come in and say, you know, don't don't work on the river, right. don't, don't pursue these initiatives. So there's no, ne- not necessarily any roadblocks yeah. to, to moving forward. Yeah, so forward. really the, you know, the city is saying, please do come in and, and do these things. We, we appreciate that these things would help our citizens, that would provide an, an amenity for our citizens. And it really does open doorways for funding opportunities for us. Right. So maybe we could dive into what are some of the main initiatives behind this this master plan? Um, and what does that look like? And, and it's a pretty big plan, and it's it's going to be implemented in phases. So yeah. would you mind talking through you know, what are some of the goals of the master plan, and, and what does it look like? Yeah. So the goals, we have uh, four goals that we've identified. Uh, the first is to improve and develop river access points and improve the recreational access to the river. So we have a number of uh, city parks that are along the river, but they don't necessarily have the types of facilities that we would need to make it sort of a paddle uh, paddle trail. Um, the second goal is to create and maintain safe passage 
on the river. So it's not just enough to put in a ramp and let somebody shove off because um, there are some hazards in the river. And um, one of the things we need to do is remove as many of those hazards as we can. And those that we can't remove, we need to put some signs on those so people that are floating down the river know that there's something coming up that they need to be aware of. The third goal is to promote the river uh, and the Blue Trail as a community-wide amenity. And I definitely think that having the city council approve this is the first step to that. But then also getting people down there to use the river, uh, people that have either never thought of it or been afraid of it, um, to have them come down and actually see how much fun the river is. And then the, the fourth goal is to foster volunteerism and stewardship of the river as a recreational asset for the community. Um, we've already talked with um, some of the outdoor recreation groups about helping us organize volunteers to do the annual monitoring and cleanup of the river so that we can get rid of all the sort of annual hazards like floating logs and that sort of thing that show up. Oh, that's great. Um, I, I think this is, it's, it's a really awesome project. Is this um, kind of the goals that you're talking about right now? Does that reserve for a certain section of the river? Or, uh, kind of where are, your, where are the main priorities um, kind of in the, in the coming months and, and years? Where is the focus going to be? Yeah, the whole, the overall vision of the plan is to go from First Dam down to the west side of Cutler Reservoir. And where we want to start is sort of in the middle. So we're, we're, we're going to start at Rendezvous Park. And our first phase would be from Rendezvous Park down to Trapper Park. And that's a new park that the city uh, really started still in the process of developing a little bit lower on the river. Um, the task force, along with the city, did a large restoration project at Rendezvous Park um, a couple years ago. And as part of that, we created some pools in those areas that the reason we created them ecologically is to capture sediments so the sediments don't settle in the river unexpectedly and create floods, which is what happened in 2011. Mm. But those pools are also great places for people to bring their paddle boards out or to go fishing. We have a lot of fishermen using those areas now. And in order to clean out the sediments from those pools, we actually built a couple places where the backhoe can get in and pull those sediments out. Those are perfect places for people to put in their watercraft. Hmm. And so at Rendezvous Park, all we need to do is build um, an access trail for people with disabilities down to the, the ramp that already exists from the new parking lot that they've got there. So that's a pretty easy start, I think, for us. Um, Trapper Park will take a little bit more development because that park isn't, doesn't have that pool and doesn't have those sort of uh, ramps already built. So there we would have to construct a ramp as well as extend the trail. So the trail right now sort of ends there, the Riverside Trail ends there. We would extend that down to the lower end of the park and then provide a, a ramp there. So all of our ramps, we're actually working um, with the group here in town on developing those that are ADA accessible. Mm -hmm. We don't really have to make them ADA accessible, but we want as many people to enjoy the river Absolutely. as possible. Um, so that's that's kind of phase one, the yep. low-hanging fruit. Yep. Um, what's, you know, what does the project look, or the master plan look like beyond that? Yeah, so we're, we're planning on sort of then moving from the middle to both sides. Mm -hmm. um, I think our next big step would be to go from Trapper Park downstream to 600 south the Menden Bridge there. Mm -hmm. The city owns a piece of property there. 
that they're interested in turning into a park. Mm. And so um, we would be able to help them through this funding that we get develop that park as well as the place for folks to put their, their watercraft in and take them out. Um, so the, the funding that we're um, writing grants for right now actually helps us develop things like parking areas and, and restrooms as well as the actual boat ramps that we'd be putting in. And these boat ramps aren't 20-foot wide concrete boat ramps. These are uh, just hard packed gravel or crusher fines or some, some hard surface that has enough of a slope that it'll allow you to put your boat in easily. Right. And then moving upstream, it sounds like there's some interesting, um, some, you know, some interesting projects there as well. Yeah. Moving upstream, we actually, fortunately, we already have our first ramp in. Um, it was the, the Wasatch Group when they were developing the area between Main Street and 100 East. Um, we talked with them about the possibility of putting something in. The initial answer was definitely no. But then we talked with them about what this ramp would look like in the community that it would service. And they said, yeah, we'll do it. And they already built it. So, wow. um, so we do have one ramp there around 100 East. Um, and that will be fully accessible to the public. And moving upstream, um, really from first dam we've talked to the water lab about the possibility of allowing people to access the river there um, they do seem to be amenable to that as long as people aren't parking where the employees need to park mm. and so um, we'll work with them to see if we can get a sort of a drop-off zone and then have people park um, so they're not Im impeding the water labs employees and um, stewart park we've done some restoration there and that's another place that we would like to to develop a ramp there's some parking issues there. There's really not a lot of parking. And so we would probably have to work with maybe the one of the businesses across the street to have some more parking and the same sort of thing where you may have a drop-off zone and then have people parking a little farther away. Right. What has it been like to work with so many different organizations to make this happen? Um, between Logan City, um, sounds like you know private landowners. Um, there's just a lot of different organizations involved in this? How has that been yeah. for you? It seems like overall it's been a really positive response um, to restoring the river and, and making it more accessible. What has that been, experience yeah. been like for you? Um, it's <clears throat> sort of gone from challenging to really very rewarding um, to have a number of very intelligent people, very ambitious people come together and agree on the different facets that we have, both for the restoration project and now for the Blue Trail, um, it's it's very rewarding to see those those things get started. And you know, right now the Blue Trail is really just a plan. It's not worth much yet, but um, it does allow us to go out and get the funding. And certainly, we've seen so much interest from the city and the county and the other participants in this that I'm very positive it's going to happen and happen soon. That's great. I mean, just to see, you know progress happening so quickly, especially with the Wasatch Group, that area, that Riverwoods area that you mentioned between Maine and 100 East. Um, I think that section is, is going to be really important. And I love your thoughts too, because so many people come through on Main Street and, and maybe that's their first exposure to the river or it's, it's the most visible section for people downtown. Um, and I imagine for participation, that's, that's going to be just great exposure. You know, you're going to start seeing people starting their float down the river from that point or, or people fishing the river in that section. And, and I imagine that might be kind of a wake up call to people who have 
never realized that they could use the river, right? Is that is yeah. that something that you envision happening in that section? Yeah, for sure. You know, honestly, I I drove across that Main Street Bridge probably for two years before I realized the river was flowing under there. Yeah, um, it was so hidden before you just didn't really realize that it was there, and that has some appeal too. But yeah, um, yeah, I think allowing people. To, to see the river, and one of the other things we did with the Wasatch Group, um, and, and BioWest actually does, deserves a lot of credit for this, is we worked with that group to implement some of the, the strategies that we came up with in our conservation action plan. One of them is to widen the floodplain of the river so that it's not like a fire hose coming through mm-hmm. town. It's a very large, flat river coming through town, which dissipates a lot of the flood energy that would be um, built up in the river. And by increasing the floodplain, they were able to add uh, two trails. So they have a trail sort of mm-hmm. at the 100 floodplain, 100 year floodplain level, and then they've got one down lower. That's going to be one, you know, it's going to get flooded every once in a while, but it's not a major structure. It'd be easy to replace when it does get flooded. And then we're also planting a lot of native vegetation down in that bottom area. And that native vegetation will also help to slow down the flood rivers the floodwaters as they rise and just the friction of having all that vegetation in there dissipates that energy from the river again. Right. You mentioned when working on river restoration in an urban center, you had some added challenges of bridges and and human-made structures. Um, Are are there any concerns there with, you know, uh, you know, people on kayaks or paddle boards flowing (laughs) underneath Main Street? Are there longer-term plans to, to, you know, maybe make that that bridge a little taller and and put a a trail through there i know we had Mm -hmm. dayton kreitz when he was still still here working on trails he said that was one of his moonshot projects he he wants to see that bridge elevated so that a a, you know a trail could go right underneath main street and so you could really have people flowing under main street and you connect east and west yeah and that would be ideal um, there are even more parties that, you know, since that it's a U.S. highway yeah. and UDOT has, right. you know, supervision over that. Um, and elevating the bridge and making it sort of a long single span structure, again, that would be ideal but extremely expensive. Sure. And so um, that may be somewhere down the line. And I think, the you know, we're certainly interested in that sort of a, a restoration project. Um, there are some other opportunities we might have there to at least connect the trails without having the brand new bridge over right. the river. And yeah, there are, there are some challenges with bridges. There's a lot of bridges on the river mm-hmm. uh, between railroad and, and streets and even pedestrian bridges. And depending on how those were built, they don't allow very good flow of the river. Mm-hmm. And so some of those we would definitely like to see be replaced and have larger spans over the river to allow the river to move back and forth underneath them even. Um, and probably one of the biggest challenges for the Blue Trail is going to be the railroad bridge that comes right in the middle of Rendezvous Park because it's a very low bridge and it actually it catches a lot of uh, woody vegetation that floats down the river in the spring every year. Mm. And it's sort of a challenge to be able to yet to pull that stuff out or it could potentially wipe the bridge mm. out. Um, and at this point, I think we're just going to put some signs up around, around it and say, you know, you should probably not try to float under this when the river's high because you're, you're not going to make it. Right. Yeah. So that kind of leads me into another question around the flow of the river. Um, and I know you've, you are working on some solutions for this, but 
um, our river especially, you know, flows really high and really fast, you know, as soon as snow starts melting off. And then um, later in the season, it can be really low and, you know, you might be scraping bottom, yeah. bottom a little bit. Um, I know you've talked a little bit about um, ways to increase the flow or maintain the flow of the river. Can you talk about that? That's the, this is one more of those those parties that you have to get involved right. when it comes to irrigation. And um, I think, you know, I forget that the river isn't just used for recreation. It's it's still used for irrigation. And, um, you know, there's canals that come out from it and it's used for mm-hmm. watering still. So what's what's that look like um, working with with people mm-hmm. who actually have to use the the, mm-hmm. the water to to you know to water their fields and crops. Yeah, yeah. Well, we definitely recognize that irrigation is the primary use of the river, and um, what what we what we're looking for is ways to keep more water in the river longer. Um, doesn't mean that we need to take away the water from those that are using it for irrigation, but we would really like to keep it in the river as long as possible. There is um, a move by the irrigators to do more uh, pressurization in their systems, which means they're going to be pumping those systems or uh, possibly gravity feeding some of those systems, but they're going to enclose them. And that would mean that there would be some potentially some removal of the diversions that they've already placed in the river because they really wouldn't need those diversions anymore. And what we're trying to do is work with those companies and the Cache Water District to, instead of pumping the water out of First Dam, leaving it all the way in the river through town, perhaps down to Cutler Reservoir, and then pumping out a Cutler Reservoir instead of pumping out a First Dam. Hmm. If you pump out a First Dam, you take all the water out of the river. Right. Um, if you leave it to the bottom, you have all the water in the river. Right. So where is most of the river diverted right now? It is at First Dam, and then there's probably other diversions along? Yeah. How does that so work? So the, probably the biggest uh, place where it's diverted is, is that Crockett diversion, okay. which is around River Hollow uh, Park. Okay. Uh, and they are the, the major, major water rights holder. They, they service several um, irrigation companies and, and many farmers and ranchers in the valley. Right. So that's, that's another interesting dynamic. When you signed up for this, you know, what, what was your experience working with you know, different um, organizations, city, county, private? You know, what, what had been your experience um, before this? Um, and was there a learning curve? What, what had been your experience before? Yeah, I'd, I'd actually worked with a lot of groups like this and facilitated some other groups like this, but not necessarily dealing with water rights. And, you know, water rights right. is a huge issue in yeah. Utah and across the West. And, you know, honestly, I think some of our water rights laws are a bit antiquated and, and need to be updated to some extent. But that literally takes an act of Congress, at least our, our yeah. state Congress. Um, but they're also working on a number of ways um, – to recognize that there are these environmental needs for the systems and that, yes, there are municipal needs, there are agricultural needs, but there are also environmental needs. And they're working on things like water banking um, and just different ways of leaving more water in the river if possible. Right. I, so that kind of leads me into um, kind of this idea that, I, you know, you could speak for yourself on this, but I feel like this plan really espouses this idea of let's get people recreating on the river so that they can develop a love and appreciation so that they'll want to conserve mm-hmm. the river. Um, is, is that true? And, and, um, cause right now it seems like the stakeholders of the river are, 
the people who are using it most act- actively, mm-hmm. right? The irrigation companies, so they have an interest in it. And then maybe some of the diehard people who are out there paddling and, you know, you know, having to push through brush and, and all that, or, or people who are fishing. Um, is it a belief that if you open the river up to more people, you get more voices and, um, you know, more people willing to chip in and help preserve it? Is that mm-hmm. kind of the idea behind some of this? Yeah, I think definitely that the more people appreciate the river, the more they're going to take ownership of it and, and be willing to be good stewards of the river. Uh, and I don't, I don't see it as competition with irrigators. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that there are compromises where we can work together so that obviously they're gonna, they need their water. We'll be able to maintain them having their water, but we'll also be able to restore the ecology and serve the recreational and other social needs of the city by leaving water in the river. Yeah, that's it's a great plan. Um, and I love that idea of yeah, if, if we can leave it in kind of these the main sections as it comes through town, more people can enjoy it, and and the irrigators still get what they need, right? Mm-hmm. Just maybe further down the river. So, um, what types of activities do you envision um, happening on the river? I mean, or what activities are happening now versus what do, what do you think? Um, what new activities could happen, mm-hmm. or increase in activities yeah. could happen on the river? Well, like you say, there's a few diehards out there that are taking their kayaks uh, down the river. There's I've talked to some people that are tubing the river and that sort of thing as well. Um, I think that one of the things by creating these access points, they're, you know, we're, we're saying that these are boat ramps, but they're really access points for everyone. Yeah. Um, so it will make many more places where people can come down into the river, they can wade in the river, they can tube in the river, they can paddleboard, whatever. Um, also, it creates a lot of additional fishing access to these areas. So just places for fishermen to be able to get in, get down into the river yeah. and, and take a shot at, at trying to pull out some of the trout. Um, and then uh, along with that, we're also doing a lot of work, restoration work that's improving the fisheries and the macroinvertebrates that the fish eat. And we're actually ideally trying to make the river into a blue ribbon fishery. So mm. not just creating more access, but actually creating more fish in the river for people that are interested in doing can, that. Can you speak to what that means, a blue ribbon fishery? Now, is the upper Logan is considered that, but the lower, is, what is that designation? How yeah, does the river so get that? Yeah, the designation takes in a, a number of different factors, and then there's a committee, basically the Blue Ribbon Committee, that you know decides whether or not your your stretch of river is worthy mm. of, of their criteria, and so they do involve the number and size of fish as well as the accessibility, mm. and so those are really sort of the major things that we're trying to address with our both of our our blue. Blue Trail, and as well as our conservation action plan. So, is there a current section of the river that's considered that? I've heard that. Is mm-hmm. it that an upper section up in into the canyon? I, you know, I'm not really sure exactly where okay. where that's defined. Okay, I've heard that advertised, but yeah. never known, you know, what section mm-hmm. that is. Um, so, kind of um, my other question, along with with activity and use, um, is, is someone going out there right now and tracking? How many people are using the river? It's so long that I don't know how you could mm-hmm. track people at, at every access point. But uh, do you have any idea of how many yeah. people are using the river 
in its current state? And, and do you have expectations for what the increase in activity could look like? Because um, I know on our trail systems, we have people who go out and, and count use on the trails or, you know, count at least cars in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like yeah. for the river? Um, we don't have a very good idea. Um, we have talked about it in terms of being able to monitor sort of pre and post, you know, once we start putting in the access ramps, are we getting more use of the river and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but right now we don't have um, a lot of data. There's been some data collected, as you say, on trail use. And then there's been a couple of um, university professors here that have gone out and interviewed people on the trails to see what they're using it for, all the, the hiking trails, basically. Yeah. Um, so we don't have a great handle on it. Um, we do know um, we've had the Trout Unlimited group and uh, do a creel census, which means they're walking up and down the river interviewing fishermen along the river to ask them how many hours do you spend fishing on the logan river you know where's your favorite place to fish how many fish do you catch that sort of thing Um, and we see the most fishermen in the area that we restored um, a couple of years ago i think a lot of that's because we created the pools down there we created some riffles so we actually enhanced the habitat for fish down there plus um in our process of removing the non-native vegetation, we kind of open the river up. So if you're in there back casting, you're not always getting caught on a willow or something. Right. Um, and then we've gone in after we removed the non-native stuff and planted a bunch of native vegetation in there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it'll be, I'll, I'll be interested to see, I think, you know, you can infer that there's gonna be an increase in use. Um, and and you've, you've kind of seen, maybe anecdotally, um, you know, an increase in those certain sections that have been restored. So I, I can't imagine there being a decrease in use yeah. by opening well, everything up. So. Certainly we would we would hope that there's an increase yeah. in use. Um, you know, we don't want to turn it into a water park or anything. Sure. We're not expecting hundreds and hundreds of people to be doing this. Um, but, you know, it's, I think it would be stretched out over a period of time, too. So you're yeah. not just going to have lots of people coming down the river. It'll be spread out over several months. Yeah, sure. Um well, for people right now, how, how can people better care for the river that's in their backyard right now? Um, you know, what are, what are some main takeaways for people who want to get involved and, and, you know, help care for the Logan River? Yeah. So our uh, task force has put together what's a planting guide for the Logan River. So people that live next to the river... Um, we have some suggestions for um, a number of different types of vegetation that will grow along the river and then also help support the bank. So when you do have high water, um, the roots of the vegetation are actually holding the bank in instead of building a big concrete wall. Right. Um, and it's called Taking Care of Streams and Rivers in Cache Valley. Mm. And uh, that's available in a couple of places, but if you just uh, Google uh, Logan River Planting Guide, it will bring you to the USU Forestry Extension site. Scroll down there a little bit, and you'll see a video about the restoration efforts. And then this planting guide is also available there for download. Oh, great. And it talks a lot about, you know, not just the plants, but it talks about how rivers work and, and how watersheds work and how the people that live along the river are very important to, to conserving the river. And then also we have a number of volunteer opportunities uh, for plantings primarily in, in along with our restoration projects. And then as we get this blue, tra- blue trail plan implemented, we'll be looking for volunteers to help us do um, clean out of the river 
occasionally, every year actually, um, both helping us to remove some of the logs, maybe some of the overhanging vegetation, as well as just cleaning up some of the trash. Right. So how do people stay in touch with you or hear about these volunteer opportunities and hear about developments when it comes to you know, this, this master plan being implemented? How can people hear about those opportunities? So right now we're in the process of migrating all of our information from a number of different places into the Logan River Observatory. Mm -hmm. So if you Google for Logan River Observatory, that will come up and then we'll have a section on the Logan River Task Force and Logan River Restoration that we will be announcing uh, volunteer opportunities there. Oh, great. Okay, and we can link to all that um, in our show notes as well. Okay. So, um, well, this is exciting. I, I, it's always fun to see progress when it comes to you know, preservation of, of our outdoor assets that are here in our community. And I think this is such a significant um, significant project. Um, the Logan River is so valuable to our community. It's, it's really nice to see our community embrace it and um, do what it takes to, to preserve it and support people like you and um, who are going out and, and protecting it. So thanks for all you do and, and uh, for this incredible plan. Um, I know I'm, I'm planning on being out there and helping volunteer and um, you know hope a lot of other people jump in and, and take care of the river and get out there and, and play on it as well. So thanks for taking some time to explain kind of what's happening on the river. All right. Well, happy to do it, Chase. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Thank you.